0: Welcome back to Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, the Bundesliga podcast covering everything there is to know in the English language about Eintracht Frankfurt, the best club in the Bundesliga, the best club in Germany, the best club in Europe, the best club in the world for that matter. But we are a little bit biased. I'm your host, Brian and Casey. You can follow me on Twitter at Sge. Follow the show on Twitter. That is at H-E-F-Pod. Instagram handle is Frankfurt, which is also the way that you can get in contact with the podcast. That is Frankfurt at gmail.com. Or you can just search uh, facebook.com slash H-E-F-Pod for all the latest news and information covering Eintracht in the English language, so long as it is not some uh, annoying gnats in London creating filth uh you'll find it all there under one solid location and of course we're going to have uh, our own website up and running with all sorts of fun stuff patreon and the likes with all sorts of rewards that will be coming down in the uh in the off season really i mean it's going to be a short off season to be fair folks because you know uh with the europa pacal ending in late may and the next season i mean the 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 first match of the Dave Pay they've actually announced when that's gonna start off. And that's kinda crazy, cause guess what? That's starting July 29th through the 31st. And then the Bundesliga will start, mm. uh, with the first match that August the 5th. So, as uh, not, no rest of the weary. And nor is it, as the Eintracht, Frauen and men were both in action at the weekend. Here to break it all down is Chris in Detroit. Hey, bud. Hey, Brian. How's it going? You know, Royals suck. Baseball sucks. What's new?
1: Uh, You know, it's been a fun weekend in our town with Miguel Cabrera establishing himself as one of the all-time greatest hitters. And it was such a fun weekend here to actually enjoy baseball again. But... That's not what we're here to talk about.
0: No, we're not here to talk about baseball, uh, nor about uh, his fellow baseball fans uh, heckling a certain right fielder for Cleveland. It's Matt in New York. What's up, bud?
2: (laughs) Hey, it, it is what it is, all right? We have some bad moments, okay? I do not vouch for that kind of nastiness, but... I'm ready for the West love Ham in New York. I am ready for West Ham. <laughs> I am boycotting the use of hammers for the next 2 weeks because fuck West Ham. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Wow, that kind of says it all right there Where you, where this podcast is going to go But in the meantime Let's talk about the match that did already take place For the men As Eintracht took on Hoffenheim And uh, Hoffenheim side Who had kind of, kind of been struggling And they kind of shared to them The way that they played But the end of the match scoreline Was 2-2 two two. Eintracht, Hoffenheim sharing the spoils uh, If I'm brutally honest At this moment in time I do think that it that Champions League qualification is a little out of our hands as Leipzig is uh, on fifty four points and we are we are fourteen points behind. So yeah, uh, not. I mean, like unless someone gets deducted points and a lot of other teams as well, Eintracht will not be playing in the Champions League via qualification from the Bundesliga. Though, qualification for next year's international action can be still done. No, it uh, can't. We, no we, can't. Just need, we just need a lot of help. We just need a lot, a lot, We're a lot, of
1: help. And through We're going to destroy Ham, West Ham. We're going to be in Champions League. Through West Ham, yes. <laughs> not through the
2: Bundesliga. Our season's over. We can't even make the Conference League this year. We're literally 10 points away.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think we've all moved on from even entertaining that thought, which is fine. Um, we saw it. Glasner with the lineup last week say, "Hey, we're moving on to a different competition." Um, went kind of back to normal this week, but mm-hmm. still the play wasn't at that Europa level. No, but at least the offense
2: kind of got going for us, which I, I I'm taking the positive spin on that one. And freaking Daichi, oh, yeah. Daichi scored finally, so maybe he'll get on a on a heater. A
0: Bundesliga goal.
2: A Bundesliga goal. A Bundesliga. And, and and Dika had two goals. You know that's that's awesome too. to get from a center <laughs> back. <laughs>
0: Uh, should specify that one of those was an own goal, and he also nah, was involved cares? with. He did that the- on
1: purpose. That was a year. Uh-
0: <laughs> it was really nice. Yeah, uh, I mean, there are a few other players who have been solid, been as consistent as Indika over the course of this season. We were always worried that our defense, like, would show youth and Indica has been just one of those guys who's been constantly putting balls in the back of the net from a defense from a from our set pieces, and kudos to that because you know we can use all the help we can get because we're getting goals from here there everywhere. No one's currently in double digits on the season. I think it says it all right there, boys. Um, one of the things that I'd like to highlight uh, was the fact that. Uh, Rode and Jakic kind of did a strong job of being able to provide uh, defensive cover for Hinty, uh, Indika, Kuta, uh, but while also combining between themselves to get a few balls up to the midfield and out on the wings where Knauf and Kostic were able to at least do some damage to a certain degree. What did you kind of make of our uh, midfield that uh, eventually we s- that saw uh, So make his return? I mean, I,
2: I thought they were strong. I mean, I always thought Yakut and Roda both are like scrappy players, which complement very, very well with each other. Um, and it also works well with Yakut and So because So is a more technically gifted person, but also in a sense scrappy. But Roda is way more scrappier and obviously more seasoned. Um, I thought it was a great, great, um, you know, kind of idea to do. I mean, I was just going to compliment about our back, uh, our back line, how I felt like we maybe should have played Almani Torre instead of Indica since Indica is going to be missing Thursday. Game and you know, kind of give Torre that opportunity, but I don't know how well Omani can play on that left side. I think you know, uh, if anything, maybe give Hasiba a couple of minutes um, from our back oh, line, lens. or uh, no, he broke his pinky toe, so uh, he's <laughs> out. Um, good, good, good thought though. So I, but yeah back to your yeah Jakic and Roda were a great great thing and it was great to see so back you know he he definitely didn't seem uncomfortable when he was moving he definitely had like this jolt of energy while on the field um but yeah I mean yeah, i mean Roda is literally stepping in nicely you know uh to give our midfield a little bit more a rest because you know they've been unbelievable nonstop in terms of, like, running, you know, especially playing against Barcelona. I'd love to see the stats, so many kilometers, you know, they had to track the whole game. I bet she was more than cats, which is rare to hear. But moving on, you know, yeah, Jakic and Roda were solid.
1: Yeah, and I thought you saw it on the defensive line, too. I thought Hinti looked very comfortable in the middle uh, with Roda and Jakic in front of him. Uh, he seemed very aware of where he was uh he looked a lot more well positioned versus a couple of the goals that have been allowed in the last few weeks where he kind of got caught in no man's land uh the indica own goal not a lot you can do about that he was trying to clear it you know it was a heck of a heck of a header right into the corner um but he more than made up for it at the other end by scoring on the correct goal this time um the thing that i found interesting uh was Bore, because yeah. uh, I, that was kind of a letdown to me. Uh, he'd been playing with some extra pep in his step the last couple matches, and um, I just didn't see a lot out of him that made me real confident going into London this week. Um, but he's another guy who's stepped it up in Europa League, and I think, if anything, I mean, we there's no excuse for having the kind of meltdown we did and allowing a, a late time goal like that. But if anything, I think um, our guys may have been a little complacent, just ready to get things over with and and get to London. Um, I know we're going to talk about that later, but a little concerned about the way a, a late equalizer like that can deflate the morale, especially for a head case of a club like ours. Yeah,
2: but I think we were also high up
1: pressing, which kind of allowed
2: them you know, to have that, you know, counterattack. attack, I think was the goal. Um, but um, back to Boris' point, you know, it was kind of good to see him be upset when he got subbed off um, because A, you know, it kind of showed he cared and B, you know, maybe he realized that, you know, he did, he didn't do too well. He wanted to kind of, you know, get out of the funk and, you know, finish off the game instead of like getting subbed out. But I mean, yeah. um, I thought, you know, like I said, Kamada Island looking really good right now for you, Brian.
0: <laughs> okay, boys, enough teasing on that. Um, yeah, <laughs> a, another thing that I thought was quite interesting uh, was it felt like for the first time in a long time that Canal uh, did was not kind of at the races. Uh, it's going to be something that we're going to need him to be kind of uh, all out, uh, in my opinion need to have him firing all guns blazing on the right-hand side. What needs to be done uh, by Glasner to get Knauf, uh back to firing full strength?
1: You know, or is this just
0: think... he's young? Excuse me. Yeah,
1: I don't know if it was a tactical decision by Glasner or if it was just something that the players kind of felt in themselves. We, we've always been a club that plays up or down to the competition, and – we played our best two-game series of the last few years against Barcelona, and I don't think there's any any chance we were going to match that level of speed and that intensity uh, against Hoffenheim. Um, as far as individuals, you know, it's up to them to step up, especially Knauf, who have been lightning down that sideline and building something really good with Lindstrom. Uh, you saw almost none of that over the weekend. So there's questions to be raised, but I think guys are going to have it this week. I I don't like saying that they mailed it in because we saw plenty of heart. Um, but I think just the bottom line is it's really hard to bring that intensity coming off where we were and headed into where we're going this week? I mean, we're a tale of two different teams, right? Like, we're this Bundesliga team that literally mirrors
2: our, you know, our competition. We could dominate the whole fucking game, you know, but we won't get a result. Example, with Grotefut, You know, we had almost 70% possession, about 21 shots, 0-0. I mean, this game with Hoffenheim, yeah, Hoff had more possession, but we still had a lot more chances. We had the better chances as well. Um, And then, you know, then there's, you know, times against obviously when we play Barcelona, you know, obviously every time you play Barcelona, you don't have a lot of um, possession or whatnot. But like Real Betis, for example, you know, we had 16 shots, you know, against them in like one game. And I think we had about like 20 shots or another. Uh, But at least we're getting results through Europa. So it's just a tale of two different teams. You know, we play a lot better during the week on a work week, ironically, than we do on the weekend, which is usually for, you know, uh, simple average Joes like, you know, us fellas here so you know but the difference is actually we need to have them start showing up on the weekends because it's getting dangerously close towards that relegation spot because i mean yes it is still 12 points but um that's still a heck of a lot closer that's way too that's a lot of that's not a lot of points and i'm not comfortable with that um but we're a tale of two teams you know it's it's just how it is at this point with this team i mean we're the moody diva
1: for a reason And we do have to be better, especially at home. We can't carry a match with 49% possession. We've got to have the ball more than that if we're going to have any chance of winning. Yeah, and I think West Ham losing in the 90th minute... um Against Chelsea
2: this week was probably huge for us in terms of their like morale and stuff like that. Um, but again, we'll get into that a little bit later. But I was this this whole Hoffenheim game. The biggest thing I was just really looking for is you know how our offense was going to flow. Yes, you know Knaf was kind of you know sucky. So was Boré. Lindstrom had a couple aha moments here and there. Um, but you know I think it was just kind of you know kicking the rust off a little bit because they did have that long break from a week ago. Um, I kind of hope. I was kind of hoping we'd see Almanitore in there at all, even Hasseba, because I'm not too sure who we're going to put on that left side next, uh, alongside Hinterega. Maybe we, we'll maybe Glasson. We even you know stir the pot and even play four in the back um, for Thursday. But for this game, you know, I was fine with the two-two. Yeah, that you know that goal sucked with the counterattack. I mean, it was a beautifully placed ball as
1: well, and it was a great header from uh, Rudder. But
2: I mean. Bundesliga is over, boys. And Kevin Trapp.
1: We got to mention Kevin Trapp uh, because it could have been far worse without him. Oh, we say that every week. I feel like at this point it's it's it's, every it's, week. It's, it's
2: it's 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 nothing new with him. I mean, he is the best keeper in the world. Like I I'm I'm upgrading from best keeper in Journey to the best keeper in the world right now. Um, I is he just he's faced so many incredible one v ones, and he's made unbelievable saves where it's just fingertips and it hits off the crossbar, or anything even you know close to that to like you know a reaction save from Lewandowski from about three feet away from his face. Um, best keeper in the world.
0: Okay, here's a question for um, Kevin Trap and why he is the best keeper in the world. Is it because? him being in the situation that he is with Eintracht where he is actually facing shots, unlike say, uh, Bayern's Manuel Neuer in that Manuel Neuer has got so much time in between moments that, you know, he might, because he's not constantly being up against it or at least fielding some shots that, uh, that because Kevin Trapp faces it all the time, constantly, sorry defense um, uh, that he is the best keeper in the world or does it matter like that you know sometimes a keeper who is considered great really is able to turn on in the moments that he's called upon whether they be few and far between or uh, close together
2: I'll let you, you, I'll let you go first uh, Chris <laughs> uh,
1: you know what uh, um, you guys know that German ranks a little better than I do but I'll just say uh, Kevin Trapp doesn't have a quarter billion dollars in front of him. You know, he, we have some talent, but for the most work, it's patchwork talent. And uh, Byron has whoever they want at their disposal, whether it's the back line, the midfield. Uh, that's why Neuer doesn't face the constant barrage of shots. It doesn't mean he's not good. He's a fantastic goalie and all of his trophies won. Um, part of that is because of him. Um, but you've never seen him in an average lineup. So you've never seen him face the amount of shots Kevin Trapp does.
0: Well, not since he was with Shaka, but the end of the Shaka wasn't uh was way better than what we Schalke. know. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's 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 hard to judge that, you know, because like there's a reason why he's playing for, you know, one of the best teams in the world. I mean, you can put Donnarama, for example, with Juve, you know, he's one of the best, he's probably a top three, top four keeper in my mind, but Juve's not even in the top three in the serie A right now. So I mean it, it, I think it's a combination of both. I mean, realistically, will like the Ballon d'Or and like the FIFA committee see Kevin Trapp as even a top three keeper? No, not at all. Maybe not even top
1: ten. I would go I would go so far as to say without Kevin Trapp, even even Frederick Roneau, who you guys know I love, mm. uh, without Kevin Trapp as our starting keeper this year, we're sitting in that 16 or 17 spot. Agreed. A
2: thousand percent agreed. Our failure
1: to score goals. A thousand percent agreed. But there's also a lot of saves that
2: Kevin Trapp makes which are literally worldly and he's making and you know he's made a worldly save against Lewandowski that I referenced to earlier. He's made an incredible save against I think it was Pedri in the the first uh, half against Barcelona. So like he's making incredible saves against worthy teams the only issue is we don't play big teams as often as you know neuer does or as often terstegen does and so so i mean yeah i mean if if, if i mean obviously the committee is not going to be watching every single keeper closely because i'm sure there's some freaking average joe in the fifth division in this in the scottish like amateur league that is probably flying better than kevin Trapp and making more ridiculous saves but, you know, you have to at least get up. You have to make your way up into, like, the top league and whatnot. So, to your point, Brian, I do think, you know, the a better the team influences the keeper heavily.
1: And we saw that all those international awards, Ballon d'Or and others, um, they're big team bias, and they're also um, name-recognizing uh, biases included, too. Lewandowski should have won the Ballon d'Or. He didn't. um and that's that's a crime against soccer, to be honest. And like you hear about He's Allison been the best player well in the world Liverpool. for a couple years. Like
2: everyone, everyone yeah, talks absolutely. like Allison was a Golden Glove, but like not a lot of people talked about him being the best keeper. Like if anything, I would have put the hay in front of Allison. But look how shit man you is. So I mean. It really depends on the team, and I think it's tough because as a keeper, you know a lot. A lot of your criteria, uh, what goes into your criteria, is also how many clean sheets you get, and how many goals you can, uh, how you, how many goals you don't concede, and, what, and whatnot. So, yeah, that's just yeah. I think the team heavily influences to answer your question, Brian. <laughs>
0: Oh, hey, let's go from uh, one great keeper leading the line for the Eintracht to another great keeper leading the line for the Eintracht as the Eintracht was able to come away. Eintracht. Frauen, that is, as we have entered Frauen Corner. Jumping ahead a little bit. Uh, Frauen Corner, now Eintracht. Two, Leverkusen, nil. The Champions League belief is still there, Chris, or at least it is with me. And pretty bloody happy with the result coming from one goal down uh, an 85th minute winner by Dunst. for me uh this couldn't have come at a better time because guess what you got potsdam upcoming this week they are only three points behind potsdam currently in the table now they need a little help because the goal difference is 13 so need a win here and win in the final match day. Who is that against? Uh, looks like it is uh, Werder Bremen. Bremen. Wallace Potsdam takes on Bayern München. Now, uh, off air, you talked about some of the all the circumstances surrounding this match. Where? Wow. I mean, take this match in itself. What, what were your thoughts, Chris? You who love the frown so much. Well,
1: yeah, so um, shout out to the Danish contingent again for getting me a copy of this one. And I'm going to rant about it every week until we get better coverage here in the States. But uh, I had to go illegal illegal streams to get this one, and I'm thankful I did. <clears throat> um, it was absolutely a must-win uh, for the Eintracht. And they came out playing like it was a throwaway match. The first 30 minutes looked absolutely terrible. Uh, it looked disappointing. Allowed too many passes uh, that are not usually open. We couldn't generate speed and space in the final third. Um, Shakira Martinez, my favorite eagle, was stumbling all over herself in the box. Um, and then after after the break, uh, Big Pharma gets that early goal. And like, here we go. You know, you're wearing the track crest. You're going to fall apart with a chance on the line. And uh, somehow they put it together. This team has done it time and again this season where they just decide, hey, we're going to go out here and win this match, and they turn it on. The last, uh, say, 35, 40 minutes, they just uh, just lit a fire under themselves. I don't know where they found it, but after the Sandrine Morone Doreen-Marone goal, um, tied it 1-1 in the 57th, it was all Eagles from that point on. They were communicating, moving better. Uh, the shots that weren't there in the first half, they were finding them. Uh, I don't know the keeper for Leverkusen, but she made some big saves. Um, that Barbara Dun's goal. If you get a chance to go back, check out the YouTube highlights. A great right-footer down in the corner, and then the the pouring out of emotion after that goal. You could see just how much it meant to the ladies, and and coaches were running out on the field. Everybody was. They understood that moment. And the opportunity that winning that match meant, uh, to go into the final two matches of the regular season with the champions league on the line. I wrote them off a few weeks ago, Brian, I know you didn't. Um, but like you said, the goals are still on the table here and that's exactly what you want playing games into the last two weeks of the season. Yeah. 100%. We're going to need some sort of international
2: uh, presence next year, whether it's from the men or the women. So, uh, How about both? Yeah. (laughs) The women look a lot more promising uh, at this point.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? And I I alluded to it. Um, Brian and I went back and forth early in the season when we were sitting up in that one and two spot that I still thought we were a little, little ways away, a season away. I still do. If we... If we don't make it this year, I understand it. I'm okay with it. There's been a lot of growing pains. But having this fight late in the season helps a young team grow up. And come August, there will be no more excuses to say we're a young team. We'll be a veteran team. We're returning 15 players. We're having a new goalie, but she's a well-regarded one. So I think we're going to be all right. Um, I'd love to see him fight Potsdam next weekend and then Bremen with everything on the line in the final week. A little help from the Bavarians would be nice to take Potsdam out, but it'll be fun to watch.
0: Indeed, it will. All right, uh, before we leave, i uh, got to throw in a little shout-out. So, uh, as per usual, the untracked youth teams uh, were out playing in the Dallas Cup. Uh, just the other weekend, uh, we did this. Did not make the cut last podcast, but the U14 team came away with the title for that division. So kudos to those boys. And with the Eintracht, spy team that's going to be starting in the Hessian League. Remember, you can look listen back to Roman's rant about the Hessian Liga and the quality that those guys will be playing in, but here's hoping that uh, the players stepping onto the pitch will basically be able to just blow away the competition so that they can then be in the Regional Liga, which is where we hope that they will uh, be playing the Regional Liga Southwest, a little bit more competitive level there, and who knows, maybe into the Liga, which is something we'll be in lower divisions. It's something we're going to be talking about next, ahead of Eintracht and West Ham. So, that's enough to be said on the Youth Boys, so congrats on that. Boys, it is time for What Are We Drinking? Matt, what do you have today?
2: Something super, super special. Um, one of a kind. Um, mountains are always blue. cores Light. So, uh, you know, I'm saving the <laughs> moments. <laughs> there you go i need to really expand my paddle a little bit but there's just not that many craft stores around here in new york city and the ones that are is just so out of the way and i just don't have time slash and too lazy to go pick up anything like fancy but i did recently find out that there is a other half brewing Uh, other half brewing company like quote unquote bar I guess right in the middle of Rockefeller Center so I'm going to be having a lot more other half uh, than you know cheap you know Coors Light Michelob Ultra um, whatever else I've had El El Pacifico
0: yeah uh, it's it's good to expand your drinking palate Chris what have you got for us All right, so
1: baseball's back, Uh, we finally hit 70 degrees here in the Motor City, I got to mow my lawn, and anybody who's listened to this podcast for more than a minute knows that there's nothing that helps me keep my sanity uh, more than yard work. Um, That plus showing off your legs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, the Peloton's (laughs) been doing good. Yeah. so I am drinking my early summer favorite year after year, staple in the Michigan craft beer scene uh, from Bell's Brewing in Kalamazoo, Oberon, the original Michigan American Wheat Ale.
0: Mm. That sounds good. Haven't had that myself. Very good. I, I definitely approve of that. Uh, as if you were in Kansas City, you would approve of this one. The Maybach is back, folks. Uh, there is no better beer that uh, Kansas City beer does brew in the summertime than the Maybach. Is dark. It, it's dark. It's it got this amber coloring that is just wonderful. Uh, the taste just light off all the taste buds in your mouth. <sighs> There are, I don't understand why this beer has not won more medals than it has. I think it's only placed one time, but to me, it's been absolutely perfect. And uh, there's not really any beer that I would want to be drinking during the time. talking about Eintracht than the Maybach. So, prost to that, boys. And that's going to wrap it up for segment one of Hey, Eintracht Frankfurt. We'll be back with segment two talking about all things German Fußball and our big semifinal leg one against West Ham. So stay with. And we are back. Segment two of A.I. Frankfurt. You got Chris in Detroit. You got Matt in New York. You got myself in Kansas City. Though that seems Kansas City is a little bit less glamorous than the three. Let's be brutally honest. But uh, let's talk about the less glamorous. Let's talk about the lower divisions of Germany Um, at the weekend. uh, We'll go all the way down to the third division just for a brief mode, just to kind of talk about what could be coming up because second division has got so much going on. Magdeburg is returning to the uh, Zweite Liga. They've already been uh, champions, uh, despite the fact that they still have uh, like four matches, uh, four to five matches, depending on which team they are, uh, still left to be played. All right, crown champions. So good on this old club from the old east. Uh, Just don't shoot off freaking rockets uh, at other clubs, fans when they're in the Pokal. That's all we're asking. That's all we're asking. But Kaiserslautern, they're also on the they're also on the cusp of getting promotion. They are uh, leading by uh, two points over Eintracht Braunschweig. Uh, Eintracht Braunschweig has a match in hand, so it's really just a two-team race to see who's going to get promoted and who's going to go up via the playoffs because otherwise it's a six-point drop to the rest of the teams in there. So, I mean, in theory, I guess Usnebruck. And I guess 1860 Munich could like make a run at this, like a little bit. Please, I mean, <laughs> what was that, Chris? Please,
1: I mean, I'm, I I love 1860. I've been following them for years. It just it kills me to see them struggling down there. And there's some really loyal 1860 fans that have really gotten the the. Ugly side of the stick. The last few years, I remember when they played in the same stadium as Bayern when they made it to the first Liga.
2: Yeah, when they were the uh, they've had
1: some. They've had some brutal ownership issues. The mm-hmm. club's mm-hmm. nearly gone under more than a handful of times. I remember when uh,
2: Braunschweig used to be because they are such a
1: passionate like fan base. Like they,
2: those guys are fucking yeah. nutty. Uh, when they made it. When they <laughs> made it to the first Bundesliga, that was that was fun. I remember that.
0: No, they're from the north. So, I mean, I just assumed that most of them who are up from that part of the country are a little bit cracked in the head. Yes?
2: I mean, Zampali is a great example.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and there are good ways to be cracked in the head and bad ways to be cracked in the head. So, um, yeah, right now the relegation fight in the second division is pretty flat in that there's a six-point gap between 15th and 16th. In um, 16th, you have... Dienable Dresden just recently promoted you have itberg Auer, another third third division team that's basically all set in stone that uh we really all set in stone that they're going to be re- directly relegated whilst Dresden will have to wait for uh, Kaiser or Braunschweig or maybe a miracle coming from 1860 also uh, eh, I really kind of don't, not really all too bother when it comes to those guys but at the top into the table boys is where it's exciting right, before we get Gardner to the Bremen? top
2: I have a question for mm. you guys and this is just because Uh-oh. of my curiosity that 15th Uh-oh. place team Hanofa 96 since I've never mm-hmm. heard of the English version how do you guys say that would you right
0: <laughs> Hannover 96 or Hanover 96 if you can uh, spit it out Oh,
2: all right, cool. Cause I wasn't sure if like you guys, <laughs> I wasn't sure if like the American commentators just said, oh, it's Hannover, you know, where like the German commentators, if anything, always refer to, you know, Hannover as like Zexanoitisch, as like the number 96 for those people not knowing what Zexanoitisch means. But that was just a curiosity kind of side of things. But that's kind of crazy that they're down at 15th because I remember they had such a strong home stadium as well. Like I remember Frankfurt struggling against Hannover a lot of games. Yeah.
0: Well, put that down to the fans protesting against Martin Kind. I mean, for not basically they haven't they haven't shown back up. They haven't returned back to the stadium in Hanover. I don't think any of the ultras have decided to even uh, show their faces. So it's no wonder they only have thirty six points, which is a shame. Because in terms of stadium sizes, like I mean, okay, yes, Schalke is the very biggest at over sixty thousand. But I mean, you still have a lot of you got Nuremberg at, what, 50,000, 57,000 at Hamburg. Dusseldorf's, what, 55. Werder Bremen's, 42. Hanover's 49. Dresden's up There's, there, too, aren't they? Uh, 30 Yeah, something. they're small. They're old.
1: Oh, that's, I mean, a, yeah, it's, that's an It's a rebuild of the old, hell, old stadium,
0: though. to be fair. And yeah. Rostock is, like, 30,000 as well. And so is Karlsruhe, who just has a new uh, has rebuilt the entirety of the old, the old Park stadion. We're going to be
2: 60,000 soon. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we are. Uh, But getting back to the second division, uh, you got Werder Bremen in first place on 57 points. Uh, One point behind is Schalke on 56. You got three and third place on 54 points is Darmstadt. 53 points is St. Paulie in fourth fifth place at 51 kind of on the outside looking in because there's three matches remaining is Hamburg. And I guess you can throw it out there that Nuremberg on 50 points is not totally out of sight from the playoffs. It's kind of absolutely crazy. And uh, that um, I think if anyone is kind of a lock stock ready for promotion, it's probably a And here's why they got Holstein keel Awa, who I mentioned, is, you know, kind of relegated. Uh, and Regensburg. I mean, those two... No one's playing for anything. So that kind of uh, makes that lock stock. Uh, just kind of done and dusted. it. Schalke, on the other hand, plays St. Pauli and Nuremberg. And I meant... And <laughs> yeah, they played two of the, of the five teams that are in the top six that are all within reason, can't be you know, promoted or at least going into the playoffs. It's absolutely nuts. Darmstadt, our uh, Hessian club, they don't really have anyone to play in our Dusseldorf-Paderborn. So, there's a decent chance that they could go up. I already mentioned uh, St. Pauli uh, playing Schalke. They also play Nürnberg and Hamburg has Ingolstadt, Hanover, and Rostock. Uh, one relegated team and two teams that are, you know, down in it, but just not uh, not mathematically safe just yet. And, uh, yeah, boys, it's one of the craziest uh, leagues that there is, and the sheer fact that all these teams are so ready, are, all these teams are such big stadiums, big fan followings. I mean, even... <sighs> I don't like saying this. Even the uh are re- like they're nearly done renovating their stadium to be four sides of absolutely current, up to date, modern stadia that basically uh, will allow that club to be able to. Well, not just kind of flirt with relegation year in, year out playing in a Soviet era kind of thing from a bygone era.
1: Yeah, you know, I don't buy into the stadium thing because we've seen Union Berlin do some crazy shit. And, you know, Texas has high school football stadiums bigger than that one. Um, I've railed on big clubs all the time. I won't even do that again here. Um, But the best part about this league is every year, it seems, I think for the last five years, at least two spots have been decided on the final match day. And that's so much fun to watch. Uh, I watch as many matches as possible, and ESPN picks up a lot more later in the year, which is great. Last year, we were able to watch the entire um, the entire uh, top four or six play on that final match day. It's just so much to watch. There's so many opportunities here for teams to sneak up to sneak into that top three, and you know, you kind of mentioned that Bremen is safe there. Or I'm sorry, um, yeah,
0: Bremen's pretty safe out yeah, there.
1: Yeah, yeah, Bremen. You didn't say Schalke. You said Bremen, right? Yeah. But, yeah. It, you know, there's nothing those teams that are sitting at the bottom would like to do more. They got nothing to play for, but they would love to be a spoiler. Um and they're and the big names. Nothing they are the big names
0: that like if you're are at Rostock, if you are at Kiel, if you are a Sandhausen, got it. There are a few clubs I thought Sandhausen in the Hoffenheim and Leipzig uh category of kind of plastic clubs, but uh I best not go, go further on that. They look at the Vertebrones, the Schalkas, the Hamburgs, the like uh Nurembergs that have gone up and then gone down, or in Chaka's case, just recently gone down, same with Hamburg. They look at these big traditional clubs and are like, you know what? For a year for our entire lives we've always had to look up to you and now you can look you know, look up at us whilst we beat you. So I mean that None of these teams are averaging two points a match. That just shows you how much like anyone from the bottom end can beat the top end at any match day. It's not like Firth going up against Bayern. You know for a fact that Bayern's going to just curb stomp them. But you also know Firth
2: yet- is going to end up in like 10th place next year in the second Bundesliga.
0: Mm, yeah yeah that's true that's true but like that's the beauty but
2: like it's almost it's famously said in you know the bundesliga right now or not right now but like it has been famously said that the second bundesliga is a lot more challenging than the first bundesliga and not because of uh You know, for obvious reasons, you play Bayern and Dortmund twice a year. But the second Bundesliga, the players are a lot more harder because they're playing for their livelihoods. You know, the the salary increase coming from a second going from a second Bundesliga to a first Bundesliga, I'm pretty sure almost triple. And so it's or that's probably an exaggeration, but it's probably close (laughs) to being doubled. But um, it's. It's, it's famously said that it's a lot harder. So like, it's definitely a lot more challenging for these players, especially yeah. if like someone coming from a Darmstadt. I was at the Vedder, Schalke, or even Hamburg side of things because, you know, those, those teams are currently spoiling it for every in the second Bundesliga because the Bundesliga has just been wild for the past three, four years. Um, and now, you know, Stuttgart maybe go back down there, but there was another, you know, salary issue for the second Bundesliga. But either way, it's just been famously said that it's a lot, you know, challenging, more challenging than the first Bundesliga.
1: Yeah, the Exhibit A for that is is Hamburg. Uh, they went from never been relegated to never getting back up. <laughs> and, I mean, it, really, like, it, it, everyone saw them go down. They're like, oh, one year they'll be back. And now it's been, what, two or three years, and they're going to have to fight an uphill battle just to get into that playoff now.
0: Yeah, good point. So, who is going to – I'm going to make predictions. Vertigame does go up. I think uh, St. Pauli and Darmstadt. Uh, uh, you know what? Well, here's the oh. thing. You also
2: have to put into mind uh, that, you know, these guys have to either play like Stuttgart or a hat Berlin in the you know relegation um, yeah. playoffs. And,
1: yeah. Historically, or, you know, that's a tough hill to climb. Yeah.
0: Exactly. But I would say this year more than other years, this is a time that if you're at the Bundesliga club, you're just like, ah, shit, just give me like like there's there's no one who's easy. There's there's no easy out here unless you literally look at a Darmstadt or a Saint Pauli who don't really have uh, guys who originally recently playing in the Bundesliga. Or I mean, I guess you but can't here's say the thing, that. But like, let's
2: say let's say you Hamburg. see Schalke kind of screw up right now mm-hmm. against these next two games, and they end up in fourth place. However, they play you know Stuttgart or Heta in the playoff game, or maybe even I Arminia mean, Bielefeld. I mean, there's there's a chance right there.
0: Oh god, if, if Bielefeld third. does get into 16th place without a shadow of a doubt, every single team that I mentioned in the top in the like top 6 of the Zweiteliga, I am 100% certain that they could stuff Bielefeld home and away.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, it, it, in who they match up against, honestly, it's wide open. Um it just takes one stumble from Darmstadt. St. Pauli has a tough road at the end. They got Nurnberg and I think they have Shelka in there too. So it, it, they all have at least one tough matchup left and it just takes that one stumble for someone else to jump you three points in the final two match days is a lot when it's this close.
0: Yeah. I'm look look guys I'm so excited for what is still yet to come. And uh, yeah, let's get to the big match. The big one, the one that we're all here listening to, it is Eintracht versus West Ham. Like one of the semifinals. We're back in the semifinals, boys. Let's just, let's just take a second to think about that. We're in our second UEFA competition semifinal in four seasons. Like, our, fourth semi, our fourth
2: semifinal as a club in the past six to seven seasons.
0: Mm, yeah, uh, if you're adding in the Pokals. Yeah, yep. it's oh, quite the uh, good time to be a to friend me, this is Quite the experience for us as a club, and I don't really think that there's anything better that we can do uh, than to just sit back and enjoy this. We're playing with house money. To use someone else's <laughs> on this podcast favorite turn of phrase, we're playing with House Money here, so let's just go out and enjoy ourselves. If so long as we can, so long as we can, considering only three thousand fans are allowed to travel, because some people, you know, are dickheads.
1: Yeah. With all due respect, Brian, we're not just here to enjoy ourselves. You don't make it to a semifinal and say, you know, we're just happy to be here. No one's just happy to be here. We're going to cry like babies if we lose this semifinal. We already had the party. We're ready to prove ourselves on top, on top of that party.
2: I mean, maybe, maybe I should have switched it up saying we've proved ourselves and ready to have a party right now. But no, we... We, we've shown ourselves what we can do against one of the biggest clubs in the world. Now we have now we face up a even t- not a, not a tough uh, not an even tougher opponent, but a tough tough opponent who is fighting for Champions League in both ways. And what is key to us right now, which I elaborated earlier, is that West Ham is a little bit down the dumps in the morale because they just lost in the 90th minute. To American hero Christian Pulisic, uh, Pulisic Mm -hmm. Pulisic's Chelsea. So we are kind of in the driver's seat right now in terms of morale because you know we didn't really think of the Hoffenheim game as anything. It was just kind of like, hey, let's bring the gang back together. Let's you know pull up a good result and play some you know pretty football. Now we uh, now we kind of have the we're in the driver's seat. Like I said, against West Ham,
0: I love it. I love how we are here and we're looking at this and thinking, fuck this. We're going out here. We're going to fucking win and we're going to do it in style. And we looked good while performing in our last match, which it's a good thing that you did mention uh, uh, West Ham losing to Chelsea. They had a couple of their first teamers in there, but they did. They are all in on this just as much as us uh most of their uh most of their first teamers or at least the players who per- were playing against Lyon on Thursday last are uh yeah they're not involved. They have been involved and yeah uh they're as all in on this competition as we are. So let's look at the kind of way that this team currently lays out. As a lineup they kind of have been rolling with the same sort of formation as we have uh, for the last couple months, which has allowed them to uh, become a top end team in the Premier League, uh, really just because, you know, they actually stuck with the manager longer than five months, you know, (laughs) some teams in the Bundesliga could learn a thing or two about that. But uh quite similar 3-4-2-1 sort of formation that they've been rolling with. They have been kind of they are out with one of their best there. do have one of their best players out by injury and you know what? I really think that uh, the, the for me the biggest threat is Antonio uh, the Jamaican international Miguel Antonio. He's just been this kind of blunt force trauma sort of a player that (laughs) reminds me a lot of,
2: like... He's a bigger version of Domitra Oran. Look how he handled him.
0: In my opinion. Well, he he reminds me of Veghorse in a lot of ways, just with a little bit more brute strength that he is willing to throw around.
1: Yeah, I can can see that. He's been involved in, like, 18% of all their goal scoring this season. That's a... Big amount of opportunity. I mean, that's like costage level for us. Mm-hmm. So it, if, if we can contain him, then we'll put ourselves in a good position. But here's where we also thrive as a team, you know?
2: Even when we concede a goal, which we know we love to do, we don't, like, crumble. Like, all right, we're just like I, – I, I think if anything now, it's almost like, yeah, let's just get – let's just even score an own goal. Let's just get used to it because – it's just it's just how we are. I have a fun fact for you guys right now in terms of us right now in the Europa League. IF Frankfurt have kept just one clean sheet across their last eighteen Europa League matches. Now think about that eighteen we play what six yeah. group matches and then what four more in terms of like group uh well I guess eight more in terms of like uh knockout stages, so that's already fourteen right there, so eighteen so that's two seasons uh. Shot uh across their last eighteen Europa League matches, conceding in each of their last eight in a row. Despite conceding in eight straight games, they remain unbeaten across those matches. They are the first team in Europa League history to concede in eight or more games in a row without being beaten. <laughs> so we, that's where we have a huge advantage Shoes like West Ham can score as early as they want, whether it's, you know, in the fifth minute or they can score the first goal in like a regular, like 28th to like 40th minute where we seem to be conceding a lot, a lot, a lot of the time um, we don't crumble we don't crumble and that's what we kind of have that advantage in now you know we our defense is a little bit weaker because we're not going to have indica back there and i'm not too sure what the plan is right now because i don't know who's going to cover left that left side unless we shift Tuta all the way over there i just not too sure how comfortable he is with his uh left foot um but yeah i mean i i we're gonna be great here i think another person that we have to uh think of from West Ham that's a huge danger is the uh, Ukrainian winger and I'm not going to pronounce his name because I don't want to embarrass myself there we go Johar Malenko um, he's, he's a danger Formerly too. of
0: Dortmund that's how I know him
2: <laughs> you you know what I, I keep for some reason him and I keep getting him mixed up with that other really famous Ukrainian who played for Stuttgart for a long time and I think he played for Bayern for a little bit as well um, uh, I'm going to I'm gonna look this up and you guys are just going to continue talking while I look this up.
0: That is, and yeah, that dude is like from a, a lot longer time ago than I've, than I cared to recall, if you know what I mean. Uh, Tomaschuk. Me, Timo Shuk. Tomas Shuk? Yeah. Timo Shuk? Wait, is that the, is that the Ukrainian who is currently the assistant coach of, uh, Uh, in st petersburg who's been like ostracized by his fellow countrymen
2: oh that's hilarious i did not know that um but yes that is him
0: what a son of a bitch wow oh well he is he apparently as far as uh his fellow uh his fellow countrymen are considered he is absolute scum street walking scum
2: oh makes sense why he coaches a russian club then
0: I mean, he has been there since like, uh, I mean, like I think it was multiple years as a player. Like, and he just like was at Bayern for like a brief spell, and then went right back to Saint Petersburg, and like has been there for a very long time. So it's not like as though he had like just been there for a minute and now all hell broke loose. No, he's kind of been there <sighs> for a second. So, but I do but have still, another street scum.
2: I do have another Frankfurt stat for us here um, that also favors us as well. Eintracht um, Frankfurt are the fourth side to reach the semifinals of the Europa League, still unbeaten, having partaken in the group stages. Two of the previous three went to lift the trophy. It was Villarreal last year, uh, Chelsea in eighteen nineteen, and Liverpool was the only team that did not ultimately win the competition in the 2015-2016 season. And I believe mm. that, was the, that was when they... Changed the coaches to from Brendan Rodgers to Jurgen Klopp, or maybe that was the first time Jurgen Klopp won a trophy with Liverpool. Uh, or no, they lost win, in the have,
0: final to Sevilla.
2: That's what it was. Yeah. Oh, obviously they didn't win because they were two of the three. Duh. <laughs> but yeah, that's just those are just a couple stats. Besides our, you know, thrilling counter-attacking play, which you know is going to really give us another edge as well, because you know. The only time the Premier League really has like a counter-attacking game is when the teams are open. You know, it's a very more possession-based game. And I think West Ham's going to get thrown off by that when we do have the possession uh, because, you know, they're not used to playing other uh, leagues with the possession but then they're going to have another, you know, kind of curveball when we blow them out on the counter-attacking side of things because I always feel like Premier League defenders are just so much slower than any other league defenders and I don't know why. Maybe it's just because the crowds are so much closer to the field and it's just so deceptive Um, or maybe that's just because my roommate is a Manchester United fan. I have to watch Harry Maguire every week, look like a dumbass. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just not the guy I, who got
0: kicked in the head,
2: Harry Maguire. Yeah, probably when he was a kid.
0: <laughs> no, 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 it like <laughs> recently happened in the Manchester United game. I seem to recall. Uh, anyways, I'm getting I'm getting you off track here. Go on.
2: Um, but no, that was that. I I just I I think if we we're going to start our predictions here, you know, um, I really think Frankfurt's going to come out of this out of West Ham with a two-one, maybe even three-one lead.
1: Ooh. Chris, what do you That's think? Bold. That's bold. Um, All
0: right, negative you know, Nancy, th- what do you got?
1: <laughs> no, I'm I'm feeling positive on this one. Um, we Well, <laughs> semi-positive. All right, you caught me. Um, <laughs> uh, I kind of alluded to it earlier with uh, the Bore and Knauf discussion that we didn't see a whole lot out of them, but I'm not going to say they were holding anything back, but I think there's matchups here they can exploit – Uh, The starting left back, uh, Cresswell, I think his name is. Yes. uh, For West Ham, he's out on suspension for this first match. Um, Might be an opportunity to exploit there. Uh, There's an opportunity here for us to steal something. I don't know if we can steal three points. I'm going to predict a 1-1 draw. And coming home the following week, um, all things level, with the ultras in in rare form in frankfurt i love our opportunity in that situation uh so i'm gonna say 1-1 one, one, but that's gonna feel i think more like a victory and i wouldn't be shocked if we pull out the straight up winner yeah i don't think that there's gonna be like one here
2: heavy, uh, not heavy underdogs but Fanduel has us at plus 310 to win the game west ham at minus 110 which I feel like that's a little that has no alternate. respect,
0: but that's mostly because those guys have likely seen West Ham play and that's outside true. of like our Barcelona highlights, they haven't seen us at all.
1: Very true. I will give you Matt a couple stats. Um, I am four and zero when betting on Eintracht Frankfurt in the Europa League this year, and I am six and zero. We are no, I'm sorry, not six and zero, but we are undefeated. Uh, in Europa League when I sit in the school pickup line, uh, which I will be doing again this Thursday. So the school pickup line should keep us on the good side of the score scoreline. Yeah, week. Per, I mean, I, I, I've I been un- – Frankfurt has been
2: quote-unquote undefeated ever since I stopped betting on them. So um, <laughs> I'm just going to keep that trend so going. So I'll
1: keep betting and you stop betting yeah. and we're good.
2: And, I, and, I, and, I, and I'm going to feel so – gross on thursday because i'm not going to be wearing whites because i just have to keep wearing my wow. hinty shirt i have to keep wearing my hinty shirt that's why it's keep been good doing luck what works. I'm, I'm not changing anything i haven't watched the damn thing all season what we wear
1: affects the play
2: on the pitch like, everybody knows that. exactly exactly <laughs> superstitions work in soccer it's the only proven like time it works Ryan, what's your prediction
0: one one draw, boys i think that uh Honestly, everything that I've seen from the West Ham fans, they are going to be at it to an extent that no one's going to, that our guys will think eh, only only Anfield has got noise. Now, I think the West Ham fans, if we don't shut them up quick, they will keep on singing and dancing. This to them is like this is has come early and there's a, and in thir- these guys' cases there's uh, just a Big old mountain to blow, like in a Scarface, just waiting for them to stick their faces in. And uh, yeah, you know what? We have to be the guy. We have to be that uh, the Bolivians who come in to just kick their ass and wipe them off the face of the earth. So, I think that we are only going to muster up a one-one draw on this one, and they will come to the. Carcophony and noise. That is the Stadion And we will see what we will see in leg two. But I do think uh, that we will be able to take a lot of positives out of this game and a uh, one one draw ain't too bad to come home with. So that's, take that. that is our predictions for Eintracht versus West Ham. Chris, you had uh, something to say before uh, we left, f- uh, said goodbye.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to throw a little PSA out there uh, as we do from time to time on this podcast. Uh, it is the end of April. May is just around the corner. And then June after that. And uh, uh, a fundraiser that we've pushed on this podcast in the past, and I'm going to do it again this year, is Pride Razor. Uh, it's a fundraiser for LGBTQ causes uh, that's supported by the soccer community. So there are, by last count, four, or I'm sorry, 206 campaigns. Uh, raising money in New York and Kansas City and Detroit and all over the country. So the way it works is you pledge one goal for, or one sorry, one dollar for every goal your team scores or three dollars. In my case, I give three dollars and 13 cents, uh, for every goal scored by Detroit City FC. So check out prideraiser.org. Find a, a campaign in your area to support kids and, and, um, LGBTQ causes in your community. Here in Detroit, we uh, help raise money for the youth, Ruth Ellis uh, Youth Center. Uh, we've given them tens of thousands of dollars through this pride raiser campaign. Brian, you got the nine one three area code. You could donate nine dollars and thirteen cents for every uh, sporting goal, so they might get eighteen dollars out of you because you know your team sucks at scoring. But <laughs> uh, no, I don't raisers. think
0: that they will even get eighteen. I don't even think that they'll get that money out of me. I think that they'll get a whopping zero zero cents out of me at this at this well, rate you you can do a flat rate
1: uh donation if that's more your cup of tea and there is a uh a fundraiser for Ukraine as well. Um they're having a hard time raising money there for obvious reasons. Uh you can support directly to a uh, organization in the soccer community raising money in Ukraine. So check out prideraiser prideraiser.org for more info or hit me up on the socials there you go where
0: can we find you on social media chris
1: uh twitter instagram discord peloton at c in the d 313 all right matt what about you you can find me at WAG underscore 8 I feel
2: like I say different every single time, but it's, so, it's something <laughs> like that. So you can only – We get a
1: new follower every single week because we mess <laughs> it up. <laughs> it's perfect. It's perfect.
2: <laughs> um, but I also want to give a quick shout-out to Jack Dempsey's because I will be there on Thursday. I took off work, so I will be full-fledged with the flag. I'll probably see the AFC New York guys there. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited to go down there for the game on Thursday.
0: Yeah, Chris, you're in the pickup line. You're uh, Matt, you're at Jack Dempsey's, uh, where uh, they are open late uh, for all the good times. Uh, yeah, that was a good time that we had when we were in New York all together. Ah, memories. And you can follow follow me on Twitter. That is at KCSGE. You can find me in person. Tap me up if you are listening to this podcast. You'll get a beer out of that, so a freebie on me. Uh, that is going to be at Kansas City Beer Company who produced uh, my talk that I was enjoying this evening. And they have plenty more to choose from. You can always order a Ukrainer and also donate at the end of your tab to the Ukraine uh, Refugee Relief Fund. So, uh, yeah, the other ways that you can get in contact with the show, that is at H-E-F-Pod on Twitter, uh, heyindrafrankford at gmail.com, Frankfurt on Instagram, and of course, facebook.com slash H-E-F-Pod. If you, if you like this podcast and you have a fellow Eagle who will enjoy us just as much, share it. Uh, give us a like and a review on all your various podcasting platforms. We can move Basically found just about everywhere, but help us grow this podcast so that we can bring the Eintracht news and information to all Eintracht fans wherever they may be. So from all of us here at Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, thanks for listening to uh, this episode uh, 219 uh, the podcast. We'll be back in... Not too long for now, uh, with episode 220, where we will be recapping West Ham versus Eintracht and looking at a weird Monday match against Bayer Leverkusen in the Bundesliga. So, till next time, juice. Fuck West Ham.
1: Yeah, the exhibit A for that is is Hamburg. Uh, they went from never been relegated to never getting back up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and... Uh, <laughs>
2: I'll follow you, la 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 hey, Franks, Chalala, la la la.